are live here at Soundcast FM, Brooklyn, New York. I'm back. Been gone for a while. Bit of a summer break. A lot of things going on. But we're back. I guess you could call this the season premiere or return show or we haven't been on in a month. We can, I, don't, I don't know. There's different ways you could describe this type of show. The summer was uh, very interesting, a lot of fun, especially for all the people out there that are fans of the Olympics, because the Olympics gave you a lot. It gave you, uh, how can I say this, uh, the drama that had nothing to do with the actual athletics themselves. We fell in love once again with the gymnastics, the, uh, the, the, the women's gymnastics team, incredible, incredible, they always are. The uh, final five. Uh, and an interesting thing, like Gabrielle Douglas, you know, she was like the star last year. She kind of took a, uh, a an extra back seat to uh, a lot of the new emerging talent. And this is not taking anything away from Gabby Douglas. She's been, you know, phenomenal in everything she's done. Simone Biles finally got the opportunity to really be displayed on such a huge national stage. Heck, international stage, I should say. She was had all the hype going in about being the Michael Jordan of uh, gymnastics. Well, she definitely proved it. She took home about five medals, I believe. One of them was bronze, but the other are all gold. It, it was a phenomenal effort. Uh, the team just really, the country fell in love with them. You know, you're talking about Miss uh, um, uh, Liz Hernandez from Jersey so she's local she made the team and I think I remember when they were talking about the trials that she would probably be a bit of a long shot to uh, make this year's uh, Olympic squad and not only did she make the team she also won silver in an individual an individual event not just the gold you know they won as a team so you know just shout outs to her shout outs to the entire team um, they, I think they're all going on tour right now and, and I think I'm actually check them out they're going to come by Barclay Center in November and I think also the garden so anybody in the local area you know definitely check them out if you haven't got a chance to see something like that in person but uh, just very talented group of ladies and they, they killed it out there that's there's no other way to describe it uh, also for the Olympics you know you had the, the men's and women's basketball team did what they were supposed to do that's why there's no hoopla, because they're supposed to beat the rest of the world. This is not supposed to be a confusing, like, oh, man, they should be struggling against China or any other team. The United States is supposed to win in basketball. A gold is, anything less than a gold is just not acceptable. There's no other way you can spin it. I hate when people try to put this emphasis saying, oh, the rest of the world is caught up. They have not caught up yet. They've gotten better but they have not caught up. We need to be honest with ourselves here. You look at teams like Spain and, you know, I guess Argentina, and you think, okay, you know, they're pretty good. They have some NBA talent. Australia had a host of NBA players, but no real superstars. I think their best player was Andrew Bogut for Australia. They also had Della Vadova, you know, and uh, it's, it's just not the same type of... Uh, it's not the same type of competition. And remember, the U.S. didn't even throw out their A squad. And I'm talking about the men's side. There was a lot of players that decided to stay home because of a variety of reasons. Whether they were tired, Zika, or whatever. 
they just didn't they didn't show up. You didn't have Russell Westbrook out there. You didn't have LeBron James out there. You didn't have Steph Curry. This was literally the B team of uh, Olympic men's basketball teams. But guess what? They still got it done. Granted, two of those games were close. They shouldn't have been close, but they were. But they still got it done. You had that. You had the women's team getting the job done as they should have. And then I look at some of the other things that happened. Uh, oh, yeah, this this guy, Lochte. Lochte Gate. Is that what, that's what they call it? Lockgate? Lockgate? It's stupid. First of all, I hate when people add gate to something, you know, trying to compare it to the Watergate scandal, the Flategate, etc. Watergate was because it was actual gate. We're not, we're not talking about any gates here, but people like to associate that with any type of controversy nowadays. Ryan Lochte basically lied and said that he was robbed in uh, Rio with a couple of his teammates when he didn't. And his lie spread so much that he had to defend himself on NBC or different networks saying that he was a victim, he was all this. His story changed multiple times per outlet. Multiple times to the police until the police said, hey, police in Rio was like, okay, we need to check this out. Investigated his teammates, wanted to talk to him. He went and left the country. He basically lied. And what does he get for it, ladies and gentlemen? What does he get? I, I just, it, this is the thing that, get, that gets me. Yes, he had the 10-month suspension. 10-month suspension. That's, that's, that's what he gave. A 10-month suspension for lying, representing America, and lying. I, I laugh at that because guess what he's going to be doing in that 10-month suspension? Guess what? Because, you know, he's, he was only 32 years old anyway, so it probably was going to be his last Olympics. He'll be featured on Dancing with the Stars. Yes, the same guy that just got this. He's such a, a a terrible person for lying. And, oh, man, we're going to teach him a lesson. Let's get him on Dancing with the Stars. That's how we, that's how we teach him a lesson, right? That, that's how it works. I, I just, it baffles my mind. And I, I go back to the Al Roker uh, reaction when he's talking to um the, the other anchors about his opinions on the situation. I love his his reaction. You could tell it was it was pissing him off as he stirs his uh, his drink up, trying to control himself. It was pissing him off how he let this guy off so easy, and I think he even got an endorsement. First, he took away his I think his speedo endorsement, but then he got another endorsement for some other crap, and they're like rewarding him for lying and making the Olympic U.S. Olympic Committee look foolish. This is what we're, we're hearing here. Now, I just, I have to make this comparison. I know people are going to say, oh, it's two different things, two different things. We talk about patriotism. We talk about being proud of being an American and, and having all this, this, this love for the country and the flag, etc. We're attacking Colin Kaepernick because he refuses to stand during the Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem and all that. But yet we have a guy representing America in the Olympics going to another country and lying to authorities, lying to media, lying to you, basically. But what does he get? What does he get? Maybe two weeks of ridicule, two weeks, 10 months suspension from swimming, which he probably was going to retire anyway. And of course, the biggest punishment of all, 
being celebrated as a celebrity with Dancing with the Stars. Because it's going to bring ratings. Now, I'm not going to get into a big on my soapbox about privilege and and talking about rights in, in terms of, you know, black people not being a, not not really having the same rights as white people and how black lives matter is very different from all lives matter and people not understanding the difference still. What I am going to say is take yourself out of it, put the color away and look at the situation. You got one guy that says I'm going to sit down from, you know, not saluting the flag. I'm not disrespecting, mil- you know, military. He said it in the press conference. Not disrespecting military. I'm not doing any of these things. I'm trying to get awareness and a conversation going, which he did, in regards to police brutality. That was it. It wasn't like he sat down and said, look at me. I'm sitting. Someone took a picture. He was asked a question at a press conference and answered the question. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick is a saint, but I'm just looking at the actual facts that are there. This is what was said. This is what happened, and this is where it's going right now. This is everything here written down. You can't – there is no reading between the lines. This is what the situation is. He hasn't deterred from it. Okay, it influenced everyone else. But then let's really think about this. It influenced everyone else. You see other players doing it on other teams. You see other players in other leagues doing it. And I'm pretty sure when the NBA season starts, you're going to see a lot more. Because the NBA players have been known to be a lot more out there in regards to just, you know, protesting and saying different things. Do I have to go back to the I can't breathe shirts during practice warm-ups? I'm looking forward to that. People are going to feel how they're going to feel regardless. Now, I understand also the people that are upset with the flag and how it's such a big deal you know, saluting the flag. I get that because there's a lot of people, patriotism, very important. That's a big part of this country. You cannot take that away. But you also cannot take away the man's First Amendment rights to say what he has to say. He's not doing anything to embarrass you. He's not doing anything to fight or have any conflict with you. He's doing a protest like they always see all the time. Oh, protest, protest, don't get violent, don't get violent. That is about as nonviolent a protest as you will ever see. And I have to go back to the top once again. He did not hold up a sign and say, look at me. Please see me sitting down. He was noticed from a photo. It looked like such the most amateur photo possible from that from that preseason game. And they asked him the question. He answered it. And the rest is history. But keep that in mind. Keep what I just said in mind, right? Whether you feel, whether you're against it or for it, keep what I said in mind. Hey, go back to the Ryan Lochte situation. The man is on Dancing with the Stars, who represented the country, lied to not only the United States, but to the world about what he did. And he's going to be put on Dancing with the Stars. A disgrace, but yet still treated like a celebrity. Colin Kaepernick says what's on his mind, which is the truth about what is going on. Police brutality is a real thing. And now he's an outlaw. He should be stopped. He's terrible. I don't have to push an agenda. I'm just telling you two different things and how they all seem to to just sum up one answer. And I'll let you guys figure that part out. But I will say this, though. Sports 
has always been a thing that brings people together. That's how way it was supposed to be. You know, we not even talk about the Olympic Games. I'm just talking about regular sports we see on TV, we play. It's about teamwork. It's about bringing people together regardless of race, creed, culture, sexuality. It doesn't matter. It's funny and actually sad how it's crossed that, that, that line that we go from the politics of just things that are going on in regular everyday life have now fully crossed over to what we talk about in sports because it seems like you, you have sports topics that are now becoming political topics and vice versa. There is no sort of separation anymore. This is the life we're living right now. Players are now asked to be politicians. That's, weird. That's the world we're in. We're asking 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds to think on the same lines of Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Let's keep that in perspective. You're asking a lot sometimes. You're not going to get the best answers from the, all, the, all the people that you want to answer questions. That's just the reality. Cam Newton's not going to say something smart a lot. He's young. He's an athlete. The man is not expected all the time to come up with every, every solution to all the world's problems. I'm not defending what he said, but I'm just being honest with you. You're not going to get the answer you're going to like all the time. You're going to get something that it's just they're a regular person, too. That's it. They're not trying to run for public office. That's it. Colin Kaepernick decides he wants to say something. The man has the right to say something. That's it. Whether you agree or disagree with anyone's answer, that is it. Lying, on the other hand, is very different. Very different. Now, I said I wasn't going to get on my soapbox, so I'm going to take that one foot off. I wasn't fully on it. I was halfway on it. But what I will describe, however, is what went on this weekend, because we had a lot of stuff that went on this weekend. Besides the Hall of Fame, you had CM Punk getting beat up. You had NFL Sunday. You had the NFL Fantasy Football Lab for ESPN falling apart and the rest of the Internet going crazy about it. So much that went on, and, man, it feels good to be back. I felt like I haven't even lost a step being back here. But uh, as always, call up or shoot me a text or hit me up on Twitter. That's what you guys usually do, 516-900-2278, 516-900-2278. And um, once again, just give me your thoughts. If you have thoughts on the whole flag situation or just Ryan Lochte or anything going on in sports, We'll discuss it. You'll listen to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Yo, fellas, y'all ready to do this? Yeah, Yo, what's up, guys? Boys, I'm in effect. Yeah, and it's about time. Yo, let's rip this up. Boys, the man. Boys, the man. Boys, the man.
Jacks is real smooth on a homie chip. Make Mike shine the one, you know the mentality. Keep flipping the gift. Social with Edison here on Soundcast FM. Hello, you know what? Boys to Men. I mean, I haven't heard that song in, I don't know, since maybe two months ago when I played it. Still a classic. If, you, if this is your first time listening to the show, just know I play a lot of 90s songs, a lot of 80s, some early 2000s. I don't really play a lot of new stuff, so enjoy. Um, I'm just thinking once again to like the, the past weekend that we've had and you had all these different things going on. The NFL obviously takes over everything starting that Thursday. It, it basically took over. I think about the NFL and then I think about all the controversies that surround it. Whether it's the whole, you know, the Flake Gate, which we talked about way too much. Cam Newton and him being mature or not being mature. Obviously Kaepernick, which we're going to continue to talk about all season. At the end of the day, you still watch the games because you enjoy it. All the controversies, all the drama aside that brings people that are not sports fans or even people that follow the game involved. This is like, it, it kind of, the NFL has kind of become like, how can we become pop culture? How can we become political? It's become everything. 
You can go to any show, any type of outlet, and talk NFL. It's really it's possible. You can go to a music music station, go to a political station, go even I don't know like Christian stations, any type of gospel. You're gonna have NFL. I feel like involved, and maybe it could be a Goodell plot. We don't know. Everybody's making it sound like Goodell is the mastermind behind everything that happens in the world. It could be. It could be. He's a, he's on the pulse of everything going on. But at the end of the day, you're a fan. You were you were watching all day Sunday. You were happy to see Red Zone back. NFL Red Zone. I mean, let's let's really leave it at that. Just want to take a quick look at some of the scores that from pretty much everything that transpired this past uh, week, starting from Thursday, you know, you had the kickoff game between the Panthers and Broncos. One-point game, Broncos taking that one. And a lot of people were talking about the huge hits that Cam Newton was taking. Now, Cam Newton took a lot of hits. I'm not going to lie. There should have been a moment where he got taken off the field because of concussion protocol. That didn't happen. I don't know why it didn't happen, but that's still another one of those. Question mark. The game is close. Trevor Simeon looked average, which is actually a good thing. Look average is good enough for the Broncos because of that defense. Just being average. So they pull out that win. Starting their title defense. It's kind of interesting that Trevor Simeon is a better quarterback right now than Mark Sanchez, a guy that has been to the conference title game twice. Started playoff games, multiple playoff games. It's a sad situation with the Sanchez. I don't know what happened with him. The guy just fell apart. You wish him all the best, but that's insane. I was really impressed by uh, Carson Wentz. Number two pick in the draft, starting for the Eagles. Obviously, they traded Sam Bradford to the Minnesota Vikings. And they basically fleeced the Vikings for so many draft picks. I mean, I understand the Vikings got desperate after the Teddy Bridgewater unfortunate injury. But that's a lot to give up for Sam Bradford. For a guy who didn't even start week one, they got Sean Hill starting and probably will start the following week. Now, Carson Wentz, however, the guy looked good. I mean, the guy, the very first drive of his career leads the team to a touchdown. You really can't make that stuff up. Uh, he outplayed Robert Griffin III. I'm not calling him RG3 right now because right now he's just playing like Robert Griffin III. I haven't seen him play like RG3 in three years. 278 yards, 22 of 37, two touchdowns for a rookie in his very first game. That's pretty That's pretty damn good. I'm sorry, you got to give the guy his props. Got to give him his props for that. I think that the Eagles, as much as I hate Philadelphia, the Eagles, I should say, as a Giants fan, you got to be very, very excited with the fact that Carson Wentz looked comfortable this very first game in Philly. They don't get more hostile than that. So congrats to him on that one. That's a, that's a big win. Speaking of looking good, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston had a day against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. This was on the road, leading the, the Bucks to a to a touchdown win, 31 to uh, 24. This guy, uh, Jameis Winston, you're talking about 23 to 33, 281 yards, four touchdowns. He was uh, locked in. 
uh, him and uh, Mike Evans picked up where they pretty much had never left off. Those guys have a good connection going there. Uh, you got to like the the fact that Jameis has come out. He's uh, looked more like a passing quarterback. He didn't look to try to run around all the time. The guy's staying in the pocket. He's making the throws where they're there. And uh, it, it was really impressive stuff. And if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, you got to be feeling really good about your team's chances because it's it's tough. It's tough when you got a, a quarterback like Jameis Winston who, in my opinion, could either go two ways. He could have one of those great, you know, quarterback careers where he's a, a game changer, changes the franchise around. Or like you see with the RG3 situation, it can easily go left. The guy showed a lot of poise. This is year two. And I think he's going to be a player that they, they have to, to build around. And I, I, I like Jameis Winston. I think he's going to be good. He's already a captain in his second year. So that just lets you know what type of player he is for this team. The New York Jets, they just gave a game away. I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. I, well, I'm sorry. I do know what happened. Daryl Revis got destroyed. There's a new owner of Revis Island, and his name is A.J. Green. A.J. Green is a top-flight receiver. Let's get this right, everybody. But Daryl Revis has always been known as the lockdown corner. The locks must have been broken or something because A.J. Green took Revis to town in his own city. It was, it was really sad to watch. I mean, you talk about 12 catches, 180 yards, and a touchdown. And I would have to say 90% were on Revis. Single coverage, he was taking them. They kept featuring him every chance they could. It's just, it's something that you have to really, like, be aware of. You know, as a Jets fan, you saw some good things from the team. You saw Fitzpatrick being a tiny bit rusty, but I thought good enough to, to get them a win. Forte looked really good. So, you know, for all the Jets fans that are worried about Forte, they, the guy is the real deal at running back. He compliments Fitzpatrick and the wide receiver so well. I really do like this Jets offense. But uh, I, I didn't like seeing Revis get destroyed for 100, and i got to read this again, because 180 yards, 12 catches? A.J. Green, top flight wide receiver. But you're going against a top-flight corner. I, I hope to see. I, I was hoping Revis can at least cut that down to six catches. I don't. I, you know, if you're a Jets fan, there's the worry. I heard that a lot of you guys want to move to free safety. You don't think he could be a great top-flight corner anymore? I'm back and forth with it. You know, I, I think Revis is uh, still a good corner. He just looked. He had a horrible day. He just had a terrible day. And I think they need to get that fixed. Jets fans, it could be worse. You know, it was a tough game to give up, but you're playing this Thursday. You got the Buffalo Bills, who also took a loss. So the only team that won in the division were the New England Patriots, who didn't have Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski in Arizona. So you got to give Jimmy Garoppolo a lot of uh, a lot of respect. I was calling him Janine Garoppolo for a while, and you know what? He's He's earned his name back, I think, for a lot of people. Jimmy Garoppolo played... A good game, and uh, he really got that win for them. So, Patriots, once again, figure out ways to win games. And uh, Tom Brady's playing catch with Giselle to stay warmed up because he is suspended for four games. New York Giants, Dallas Cowboys, the Giants. Now, I was sweating during this one as a Giants fan. 
20 to 19, a polis went out. I saw a lot of things I liked, so a lot of things I could be like, eh, about. The defense was a lot better. All $200 million of that defense, they played, in my opinion, I'm going to keep ringing them based on how much they get paid. So they spent about 200 mil on the defense, right? I think they played about 130 mil worth of, of good play. That's what I think, $130 million worth of good play. Could have been better. Uh, Dak Prescott is still a rookie quarterback, but he looks very comfortable out there for a rookie quarterback. So does Ezekiel Elliott at running back. I think these guys have something they can grow with. Um, obviously, going up against a Giants team that's filled with veterans, it was going to be interesting. And speaking of veterans, how good did it feel to see the Salsa again? Victor Cruz catching a touchdown pass, playing his first game in 700 days. 700 days Victor Cruz was out. And to see him being very effective throughout that game, being that extra him and Shepard and, and Beckham, it just made things easier for Eli to spread the ball around and do what he wants to do. And now Beckham can be more of that home run threat because you got to make sure you watch Shepard. The guy has great hands, has to work on his route. He's part of that reason why Eli threw a pick because he ran a route a little wrong. So he's a rookie. He's going to get better. Uh, having Cruz as, a, as just that veteran that could just make those, those tough catches down the middle he just knows how to run that slot better than most players in the league still. And it was really great to see him being as effective as he was. So Victor Cruz is back, in my opinion. And uh, it's just, to me, it's just a, a matter of time before he really becomes that full threat that he used to be. So this is what he had to say during the uh, post-game press conference um, after beating the Dallas Cowboys 20-19. to uh, yeah, doing the dance, man, it's, it's in the blood, so it doesn't go anywhere. It's just like riding a bike. Um, but it was good to get in there. It was good to, you know, just be able to to score for my team and be held accountable for the things I did, not only on the touchdown, but pretty much all day today, and it, and it, uh, it felt great. Take us through the play. Uh, the play was meant for me to kind of go five yards kind of inside and kind of sit in that in that specific area, but it got kind of cloudy, and I saw that middle of the field kind of pop open, so I kind of just made a football play, got in there, Eli, uh, we were on the same page, and it hit me in stride. Can you describe from that point what you're thinking? You know, if you knew you were going to dance, and then the walk to the sideline, just kind of walk through there. Um, just elated, man. Just in that moment, just couldn't even describe what was going through my body. Just wanted to obviously do the dance and make sure I got that down pad, and then just celebrate with my teammates. And everybody's just pulling for me each and every day, each and every week. Uh, as we got closer and closer to, to week one, you could just sense everybody you know, having me in their prayers, pushing for me, excited for me to get dressed and be out here for game one and to score a touchdown. I mean, you, you couldn't paint the story any better than that. Can you believe that after all this time you come back and you do score the winning touchdown? I mean, no, to be honest with you, but I, I'm excited to have that opportunity. I'm excited that it, you know, just the way my life is just unfolding here. I, I don't even know, like, what kind of ending it's going to have. I don't want it to end. So I just wanted to continue to keep going and continue to, you know, keep my faith strong in God and continue to push forward and, and uh, only hope for the best. Were there any days where you thought this day might not happen? Um, never. I knew that I'd continue to rehab and continue to push myself forward to get back to playing football. You know, all the everything else, the little things that come along with it from a business standpoint were the only things that I didn't know because that's out of my control. But obviously... Uh, from a from a you know individual standpoint, I knew that I was going to do everything in my power to get back out there on the field and be back to 100%. Vic, uh, Odell had never seen the dance in person. 
Um, you said he was pretty impressed, but um, did he say anything to you? No, he just gave me a pound, and I think he was uh, simulating himself taking a photo of me while I was doing the dance. But uh, other than that, man, I mean, obviously I've watched his talent for the last two years, and, you know, I'm just happy to be on the field with him, happy to see him make plays and be on the field as he's making those plays and uh, happy to be making plays alongside of him as well. And Sterling had a heck of a day as well. So we're just excited to um, be on the field together. We're all family. We're all brothers and, and continue to make plays. Did it ever cross your mind at the, after you made the catch that the last time a ball was thrown to you in the end zone is on the injury half? Uh, no, it didn't. Uh, you know, just to overcome so much, man, just to, to be able to get to this moment. I mean, a lot of people go through injuries and they don't get this moment. You know, they don't get this opportunity to get back and reclaim what they what they once were, what they once had. So just to be able to get this moment again is, is one of the biggest things for me and one of the biggest obstacles for me to cross. And uh, I'm just excited to be here and flourish in this moment. I like that polo, man. It's a good color. It's a solid color. No, you. He turned around. You. Yeah, he's like, who, what? Okay, I'm listening now. Uh, on that first catch, there was quite a bit of contact. Car was over there, and, and you, you kind of, you, you threw a fist. Was I that was just excited. That was that was an excitement. I didn't, you know, it's just, you, my energy level was so high. It was my first catch, and that was just symbolic of just like, you know, I'm not going to the ground. I'm not letting this stop me, and it was going to continue on all day. And, and uh, I just wanted that energy to be reciprocated through my team, and we did that. You the cruise chance from Giants. I did. I heard it, and it was it was pretty loud, man. We got a good uh, we got a good crowd that comes here today. I mean, I you know, like I said before, I get goosebumps each and every time. It's just it's humbling to have the fans behind you the way that they are, and and uh, I just want to continue to make them proud and, and continue to hear. How do you feel about catching the pass that gave your new head coach his first victory? Um, fantastic. I mean, to catch a pass in the end zone in the fourth quarter to to put us ahead is always a beautiful thing, and to. For Coach McAdoo, he's done a tremendous job putting us uh, in the right positions and giving us the right words and having our energy, energy levels to the right place for us to win this game. And I think, uh, you know, just to be able to score that touchdown and put us over the top was a, a tremendous feeling. Did you wear your cleats in the game or pregame? Did you wear special cleats? I did. I wore my uh, kind of fireman cleats for pregame, and then I wore my USA cleats for uh, for the entire game, yeah. Do you know if you're going to get fined for that? I have no idea, but I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure I got some pretty good teammates in there that'll pay the fine for me. At least I hope. Your emotion of having a game like this on the 15th anniversary of the I mean, obviously, especially with my dad being a fireman for over 30 years and being one of the firemen that were at Grand Z Ground Zero at that at that time, it, it's always one that it's a you think about that moment, you think about where you were on that day, you think about the emotions that ran through your body on that day, and you relive those moments, and it's. Uh, it, it's one of those days that you remember forever and, and one of those days now that you want to honor those first responders and those firemen and those police officers that were there and, uh, and, and just cherish the moment because you know that at the drop of a dime, something like that could happen that could change the, the, the perspective of the world. I was a sophomore in high school. I had just transferred over to Patterson Catholic High School. It was my first week of school. And, uh, you know, we were so far removed in New Jersey that we just, you know, we got let out of school early. And we just thought it was a half a day and, and, you know, all is well until we got home and put the TVs on and really understood what was happening in our country and, and what was happening to us right over that bridge. And, and, and that's when it really hit us. And, you know, although I was young, I understood the magnitude of, of, of what had happened to our, to, to our country. Do you remember um, 
what sports meant to you after that? I mean, it obviously meant a lot. Do you remember watching like Yankees, Giants, things like that then? And, and did it ever stay with you in a way of what you know what sports means on this day? Uh, absolutely. I, I think it hit me the most when I, I became a professional and I, you know, playing for the New York Giants. How big the game was. How big. You know, I believe we played one of our home openers on the, the 11th in uh, Giant Stadium, and it was just, you know, the most patriotic thing I've ever seen. Justin Tuck coming out with the fireman hat on and just how we responded from a team perspective uh, towards 9-11, how we, you know, think about 9-11 as a team and as an organization. It's just a beautiful thing, and you just want to continue to cherish that. How much time did your father spend at Grand Zero? I believe he went down there the next, and he spent, uh, I think, five or six days there. He went back each and every day helping and and uh, and being there for whoever needed his help. I think they obviously needed all the help they can get, and he was he was one of those guys in the trenches down there for sure. He passed, uh, I believe, nine years ago now. Fue maravilloso para estar ahí en la cancha uh, atrapando la bola y para anotar un touchdown. Fue un momento muy gloria para, para yo y para mi familia. Cada vez que yo vaya a la salsa es un, un momento de gloria y, y estoy orgulloso para empezar este, este tempura. Gracias. Today.
Social with Eddie's here on Southcast FM. Once again, Brooklyn, New York. I'm assuming I have to call this, I guess, the season premiere, right? Because, you know, just being away for a little bit, getting everything together after 50 episodes. This is technically episode number 51. So if everybody's listening in on the uh, podcast on iTunes or the uh, other podcast networks where, pro- where we are on, and uh, as always, sportssocialpod.com. So. Thank you. Just thank you for uh, tuning in and uh, just listening to me talk about my different things, whether it's the American flag or the NFL. We never know. But how about this? Let me make a quick transition because I'm talking about this past weekend and how we had all these different things going on. We had a debut from uh, CM Punk. And no, we weren't talking about Backlash. That happened last night. But we're not talking about Backlash. We're talking about CM Punk making his debut in UFC for UFC 203, his long-awaited debut, uh, a debut that pretty pretty much should have happened about a year, maybe two ago, after he signed his contract. You know, he had injuries. He had these different things why he couldn't, you know, start up one time. Well, the match finally happened. It finally went down. You finally saw CM Punk in a ring. CM Punk... Man, I really wish he would have stayed with wrestling. I'll be honest with you. I, I liked him a lot with WWE, Ring of Honor, you know, all the things, all the different things he was involved with in terms of professional wrestling. MMA, not so much. Losing within two minutes. Now, granted, I didn't think he was going to win anyway, but I was hoping to see some type of offense from him. Uh, the guy, Mickey Gall, uh, he really jumped all over him, and he obviously choked him out. He tapped out right away. The sleeper hold's a little different in UFC than it is in WWE. There's not a ref holding up your arm like in WWE. Then all of a sudden, that second, that third time, to see if your arm drops, you all of a sudden catch that extra strength and start hulking up. It's not going to happen in UFC. So CM Punk goes down, and let's be real, like the guy just got... It was a massacre. It, 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 he, for a guy for oh, that was only in a two-minute fight, he looked like he was fighting for about a couple of hours. After this, his face was all beat up, ears are bloody. It, it's it's rough, man. I, you know, like I said, I, I was a huge CM Punk fan with the WWE, and 
I really wish he would have stayed and worked things out. He said he's not going to give up with UFC, and I, I'm going to play his uh, his press conference, but I'm just going to give my thoughts on it. CM Punk was a worldwide phenomenon with, when he said his uh, his famous you know pipe bomb comments regarding the WWE. They signed him to a new deal. They made him more of a, a headliner, a main event player after that. He held a title for over a year. This is the WWE title. Granted, we know their scripts, etc. You watch it because of the athleticism. You watch it because these guys put on a hell of a show. Now, I do see that he had a problem with some of the backstage politics. As most of them always come out and say they do. But I feel like it did it, it, did it protect him a little bit when you really think about it. Because... Seeing him in UFC, it just doesn't look like the guy was ready. I don't know how else to really put in the put in the words. He didn't seem like he was ready. But uh, we're gonna hear what he had to say uh, during his press conference. But you know, CM Punk, man, one of those guys you just really want to see. Um, you want to see what else is there for him, like I. I had a lot of hope for him. I thought that this would be something that would take him to another level. I I don't know anymore. I have a lot of doubts about CM Punk, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys do too as well. So we're going to listen to what he had to say after the fight and his uh, quick loss. The process was magical. You know, I'm just disappointed. I'm I'm beating myself up way more than, uh, than I got beat up. You know, I'm, I'm supremely disappointed, but... You know, the answer to your question is, uh, aside from the outcome, wouldn't change anything for the world. It was uh, just being out there under the lights, most fun I've ever had. And to say it again, second best day of my life. First one was my wife when I married her. Thank you. Would you have done anything differently in your uh, strategic approach? Yeah, I would have thrown the right hand um, faster. I think I was a little late throwing the two, and then I got taken down. You, you did come out incredibly aggressive. How did that match up with the plan? Was the intention to, to, to rush forward that way? Yeah, you know, I, watching what little tape there is on Mickey, I, I think uh, nobody pressured him, you know what I mean? Um, and, and once he got in a rhythm, especially in that first pro fight he had, uh, because the one with Mike Jackson was, was so short, but his, his, the, first, the first pro fight, it's, uh, the guy was just moving backwards. The plan was to just move forward. You know, I was... Uh, I was either going to come back with my shield or on it. And I think that's the, that's the game I played. And just last for me, you, you said at the end that this is not the end of the journey, that you want to keep going. Do you intend to do that at the UFC level, or would you be willing to say, you know, maybe do it at a lower level so that you can continue to develop your skills not at the highest level of the sport? My initial uh, venture into this was going to be at the lowest level. You know, um, This opportunity just got presented to myself. I would have been a fool to say no. Uh, I, I don't know what happens for, you know, from here on out, you know, and I, I, what if I get cut? I don't know. You know, you know what I mean? Um, I, I think that's a possibility. Uh, do I want that to happen? No. Uh, but who's to say where I go from here? I don't know. I, I definitely want to keep going. You know, I, I'm the kind of guy, you know, I just, I just fell off a bike, you know, I'm not, I'm not just going to shelve it and leave it in the middle of the street. I got to get back on the ride. And you said you definitely wanted to get back into the cage. Uh, again, how long do you think it's going to be before we see you back in the cage? Do you want to take some time off to train? Do you want to get back in there quickly? Uh, hard question to answer right now. You know, the uh, obviously 
it's the same night I just lost. Uh, I'd love to jump back in there as quickly as I can and erase that, but uh, you know, I got to go back to the drawing board. Um, I sort of look like the elephant man right now, so I think. Uh, and the, the 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 plan was to always, you know, take some time. Um, my wife's put up with a lot through this process, and you know, instead of her cooking meals for me and stuff like that, I I got to cook some stuff for her. And you're a student of the sport. Well, what did you take away from that that you need to go back and learn, work on? Uh, just timing, you know. Um, I, I, I got no excuses for what happened. Uh, just, Mickey was the better man. And uh, a big talking point all week was what music you would walk out to, and you stuck with a song. Yeah. What was the decision there? It's an awesome, awesome song. Don't you like it? I love it. What don't you like about Living Color? What's wrong with you? No, I love the song. Oh, you love it. Okay. All right. And uh, last, you seem to take a, a moment before you entered the cage to soak in the moment. Like, what did you, uh, I guess, gather from that moment? Well, uh, you know, I don't know if it's ever going to happen again. I didn't know at that time. You know, um, I, I fully believed in myself. I know my coaches believed in me. My team believed in me. Uh, I thought I was going to win. You know, I, I, so, but but even even then, I, I still wanted to. You know, the scoreboard could have fallen on me. I've referenced that like three separate times this week. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I get hit by a bus. I could die eating pizza tonight. I don't know. So I, I just try to enjoy life, you know, even the bad stuff. This is the bad stuff, you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm still, it sounds crazy. I'm still happy. I still love it. You know, one thing that I think a lot of, you know, people said and, and media members said, and you may have even said this at one point, is that you would feel pretty comfortable. If there was one advantage you might have over Mickey is that you were used to the spotlight and perhaps he wasn't. Did that turn out to be the case? Or when you got out there, since this is so different and it, it's, it's just different in meaning to you as well, how were your emotions, you know, right before the f fight started? They were, they're steady as a rock. You know, I was, I was warmed up. I was ready to go. Um, I, you know, butterflies because I'm about to, you know, throw hands, but uh, I wasn't nervous so to speak yeah i felt fine another thing was like if, if we'll see him punk it out there and, and you know embarrass himself well he looked terrible and you know i would i would think a lot of people would call this a lopsided loss but are you are you proud of you know what you put out there tonight <laughs> I, I don't think i th there's there's probably an alternate reality where i win and i'm still disappointed in myself uh that's just that's just who i am you know uh i'm I'm just really, really hard on myself. I, you know, I lost, and it sucks, and it was lopsided, and it's upsetting. But, you know, I I know I'm better than that. Punk to your to your left. I am curious. Uh, your wife was, you know, very uh, you know cautious about you know watching you train, being here tonight. What, what did you say to her? What did she say to you after the fights? Oh, you guys are all gonna make me cry. <laughs> You bastards. Um, uh, she just said she was proud of me, you know? You know, you, you said throughout this entire process this was about living a dream, and it didn't go your way tonight, but you still said you, you it was a night of your life. I mean... I know the answer is no regrets, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, did you get out of this, you know, outside of the win, did you still get out of this what you wanted on the day you signed December 2014? No, I didn't win. <laughs> you know, that that's that's what I wanted. I wanted to win. I wanted to perform, you know. It 
didn't happen. What did your your coaches say to you afterwards? I know you know you walked by. I think I not to not to misquote you, but I think when I saw you walk by Media Row, you said, "Damn it!" That was kind of like the you know just that that feeling. What did Duke and what did the guys say to you in the back? Same thing. You know, they said they were proud of me, and I just feel like I let them down. Last question. I know you said you're not you're not going to decide tonight when you're going to return. How quickly are you going to get back in the gym, though? How quickly do you want to be back in the training to get better? Well, I think they're going to force me to stay out because I have this uh, this ear, and I got a couple stitches in my eye. But you know, I'd 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 be back in there Monday if it was up to me. There's a couple more guys uh, back here. Um, I know you're kind of guarded, kind of coming into this fight as to what you were going to do. You didn't really show your hand too much, but is there a regret? I guess that you didn't get to show more of what you learned in the last month or a year and a half of training with Duke and everything that you didn't get to de- uh, demonstrate your skills a little more? No, because I, I you know, who would I, who would I have been demonstrating those skills for? You know, I think the people who believe in me knew what I, I was good at. And then the, the people who were negative were going to be negative no matter what. You uh, touched on it, but there was a smile on your face while you're walking to the octagon that we hadn't seen before. I mean, this was really the culmination of everything. What were you feeling when you hear that familiar music, but it's something else? I mean, what what was going through your mind? Yeah, you know, like a, the the switch got flipped. Um, I was happy. You know, I, 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 I didn't really think how the crowd would react, you know, but uh, they showed me love and that you know that you you can't help but smile at that you know and it, and it felt good and i felt where uh, i felt like i was you know in a way back where i belong i was happy uh, it felt right it felt good i was i was ready to fight we're going to go ariel and then uh... back here uh, what what did you say to mickey afterwards before they you know read the the official you know, finish. It seemed like you guys were talking. Did you say anything to him? Yeah. Um, throughout, you know, like in interviews and stuff like that, he would say things like, uh, you know, I don't, I didn't, that he speaking about himself saying he didn't belong in the UFC and, you know, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't belong on the main card. And I, I told him, you know, everyone else is going to say that about you throughout your entire career. Why, why are you going to say that about yourself? I said, don't ever, don't ever put yourself down. You know, uh, even if you think you don't deserve to be on the main card, you're on the main card. Just shut the fuck up and fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't sell yourself short. You know what I mean? And just two other ones. Um, did anyone from the UFC come up to you afterwards, Dana White, any of the, the owners, and give you any kind of indication about what they thought of the fight and what your future in the company is? No, I haven't talked to Dana yet. I mean, I could imagine what... I, I mean, I, I talked to a couple people, you know, and they just shook my hand, said, hold your head up, be proud of yourself. But I, 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 it's not like I, I fought a good fight, so, you know. And uh, lastly, you've been very sort of stoic throughout this entire process. Um, and, of course, you know, you're emotional, and I know you're disappointed in the loss. Are the emotions specifically tied to the loss or is this maybe some of the emotions of the last 21 months and the ups and downs and everything that you had to go through to get to this point is it all sort of coming out at this moment yeah i think it's all coming out you know uh i mean i had back surgery for this you know um and i think uh i'm super happy that you know that's something that didn't 
bother me at all. Once once I got it fixed, I was like a different person, you know. So like I, I'm 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 fortunate for that, and I'm thankful for that. But I just think, uh, you know, even to come back from that, even to, you know, you, you know, it's like people can say I didn't belong here, and they said I wasn't going to make it to the octagon, and they said I wasn't going to make it after the back surgery, and then it was I wasn't going to make weight, and that you know. I, uh, I'm just, I'm happy I did it, you know, uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of emotion involved. Sure. Thank you, Phil. You're done. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate you.
We're back, Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. And like I said, we're going through a lot of things that happened this past weekend. Now, the NBA Hall of Fame ceremony took place this past Friday. And as always every year, you know, you get these great speeches, these great breakdowns of like the different careers and uh, obviously the big names that were going in Tom Izzo the head coach of the Michigan State Spartans for so many years um, you also have Cheryl Swoops the first ever player signed to the WNBA great player multiple time champion and Olympic champion as well um, you also get Allen Iverson one of the probably the biggest cultural influence in NBA history there's a lot of people that have that debate but I just think for the type of person that he was and how he refused to reform to anybody's, uh, anybody's opinions or how he should be or how he should dress, I think that just shows that his power, because he was still able to become an all-star, an MVP, and he participated in the NBA Finals. Like, the guy did all these things while continuing to maintain himself, like not changing who he was. I think that's really what it comes down to. So, uh, you know, you talk about that, Shaquille O'Neal, what else can you say? Probably the most dominating center of our of that generation. Uh, Multiple-time champion, four times. Lakers legend. You know, I, I still say Orlando Magic legend, even after all these years. He only played four years with Orlando, but he's a legend to me. The guy did it all um, in terms of leading a team. And, and just him and, like, Kobe Bryant, you got him, Penny Hardaway, him and Dwayne Wade. He paired up with some of the greatest players. Even people forgot he, he was with um, LeBron James for, for a year, even though he was basically done at that point. He still played alongside some great players. You got to give him a lot of credit. So just hats off to this to this year's uh, nominees. Well, this year's winners. And, oh, how can I forget Yao Ming, the great Yao Ming, also going in. Career cut a little short due to injury, but the guy averaged 19 and 10, and he played a, a four years before going to the NBA in China. So congratulations to all of them. And I also can't forget David Aldridge for uh, for winning the award for media. David Aldridge I've been watching forever, and he's one of the guys I can honestly say I looked up to in terms of sports media and sports journalists and the way he covered the NBA as being an African-American um, journalist. I really look up to a guy like that, the way he did it, you know, in a very humble way, not really being out there. Um, you don't see that often, especially nowadays, where it's more about look at me, look at me, look at me. Uh, I just think the guy does it so well, writes great columns all the time, and it's I identify a lot of his story with even myself because he said how he's just not – he wasn't 100% comfortable with being in front of the camera, and he was more of a writer, probably the little radio – I really respect that guy, and I'm definitely happy that he's a Hall of Famer as well. So, shouts to David Aldridge for uh, for pretty much making that happen. But um, I do want to play the speech. I'm going to play it in its entirety. So, it's just a great speech. Allen Iverson, in my opinion, stole the show um, for everything that he's been through and his cultural, just everything he he meant to not just the NBA but to the culture. I, I have to really just show him and give him his due. So um, what we're going to do now is uh, play a little listening time and, t- and check out the phenomenal speech from Allen Iverson. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. I love y'all too. Wow. Um, first, I just uh, 
I just want to thank, thank God uh, for loving me and, um, and blessing me. Um, I think uh, I, 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 um, I thank him for blessing me to be the man that I am and um, have no regrets on being the guy that I am and the person that my family love and my friends love, my teammates love, my fans love. I want to thank uh, Mr. Colangelo um, in the Hall of Fame for um, honoring me in such a great way. It's truly a blessing and I'm humbled by it. Um, I want to thank uh, Coach Thompson. Uh -huh. Coach, Coach Thompson for saving my life. For giving me uh, the opportunity, um, I was recruited by every school in the country for football and basketball, and uh, an incident happened in high school, and all that was taken away. No other teams, no other schools were recruiting me anymore. My mom went to Georgetown and begged him to give me a chance. And he did. And that's, uh, and that's crazy to think that you're the best football player in the world, which I did, and to, be, and to be sitting up here as a Hall of Famer in basketball. You tell me God ain't good. Um, after I left Georgetown, um, I was a high basketball player. I had, a, <laughs> I had, I had talent. Um, but once I started to listen to Larry Brown and take and take constructive criticism, um, I learned that uh, how much of a great, great, great coach that he is. Um, once, I, once I started to listen to him the way I was supposed to and, um, and um, was coached by him, that's when I became an MVP. That's when I became an all-star. That's when I made first team All-NBA. Once I got the message from him and I followed his lead all the way. Uh, Man, Dr. J. Um, uh, those shoes, some big shoes, literally. Um, but I had, I got to Philadelphia, and man, 
Those were some big shoes to fill with a, 10, a size 10 foot. Um, and, uh, you know, he was always supportive of me um, throughout my career, always gave me words, wisdom, um, just a great, great man. And some old school dude, too. <laughs> um, I remember coming home from school one day, and my beautiful mom said, you're going to basketball practice. Like, basketball, I ain't going to no basketball practice. Basketball is soft. You know what I mean? I play football. I'm a football player. I said, where you going? And I remember my, I cried and I screamed and kicked and clawed and I had to be dragged to practice. I got to practice and I saw all the guys that played on my football team there. So from that point, I played basketball. So I have my mom to thank for that. Um, My, uh, my dad, man, this is why, this is what you created, daddy. This is what you made. And I'm uh, so proud of you for uh, being that person that I looked up to and um, being a dad to take care of his kids, showing me the way, showing me about taking care of family. And um, when you passed that torch to me, uh, I was gracious to take it and run with it. And I appreciate you and I love you, man. Uh, my aunt, greatest aunt in the world, hands down. Um, I love you so much. Your perfect aunt, man, my, my uncles, Stevie and Gregory. I really look up to y'all, man. And um, it means so much to me and taught me a lot. Steve, you taught me so much about family. I know Nana is up there looking down on me, and I just hope she's proud of me. Uh, man, um, my babies, my oldest, Tiara, Honey Boo Boo. Um, AKA, Daddy send me some money. Um, my son, Alan Iverson, second, Deuce, I love you, I'm proud of you. Uh, Isaiah, um, Iverson, uh, man, man so smart, we call him the professor. Um, I, I need him, um, around the house when something needs to be done or fixed. Um, his mom will say, go ask Isaiah. He'll show you how to do it. <laughs> and uh, you smart, man, and I'm, I'm proud of you. And, and uh, follow your dreams and keep doing what you're doing, man. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, Messiah. Uh, um, Uh, Messiah, 
A.K.A. Boo, Booby Boo, I love you. You're so great. I'm so proud of you. I love you so much, and you make me so happy. Dream. Hi. Hey, Jimmy. Fine. Okay. Uh, yubby yub. I love her so much. Um, ever since she was born, she got to sleep with daddy. Got her own room and her own bed, but got to sleep with daddy. Um, but I thank y'all for being my crutch in my career. You know what I mean? When I had hard losses, didn't play well, you know, uh, the media, um, treating me like they did throughout my career. Uh, I always came home and forgot about all of that once I saw y'all. So thanks for being my crutch, and uh, I love y'all so much. I have to, I have to, um, I have to, I have to thank this man because Without his vision, I promise you, there wouldn't be no Hall of Fame Allen Iverson standing at this podium if it wasn't for this guy. He gave me the vision, man. And, um, you know, you want to be fast like Isaiah, and you want to shoot like Bird, you know, rebound like Barkley, pass like Magic, be dominant like Shaq. But man, I wanted to be like Mike. You know what I mean? Um, I remember the first time I played against him. And um, I, w I walked out on the court and I, I looked at him. And for the first time in my life, a human being didn't look real to me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if y'all watch the Chappelle show, but he. He talked about a certain incident where he seen somebody seen Rick James. And like I literally seen his aura. Like, like he it looked like he was it looked like he was glowing. And I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm I'm saying to myself, like, man, that's Mike. And I'm looking at him. I can't stop looking at him. Like, I'm looking at his shoes, and I'm like, man, he got on the Jordans. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it was it was Mike. It was my idol, it was my hero. And uh, I remember just hating the Knicks so much and the bad boys for beating them up the way they did. I used to watch him and sit on my mom's dresser and she used to tell me, boy, if you don't get back from that TV before you go blind, you better. Like I wanted to be that close to him just watching him. Man, my sister, Brandy, I love you, the greatest. Um, I love you for all the times Daddy gave you $100 and you would give me 95 of it. Um, I love you and I thank you for everything you did for your big brother. I appreciate you. I love you. Um, for those that that's no longer here with me, smiling down on me. My nana, 
Ra, Troop, Jim, Uncle Ronald, Teresa, Huddy Combs, Anthony Wolf Jones. Um, I hope you're proud of me. My, my friends, X, Thriller, I love you guys. My man, Kai. Kai. It's one. I love y'all, man. Um, Dobby, Gerard, Damon, Day Day, Larry, Jughead. <laughs> What's up, Jug? <laughs> um, LeBron and his family, Rich, Mav, Randy, Chris Paul and his family, Monty Williams and his family, Stanky Wanky out there. Um, man, uh, Abe, Kelly Rogers, Marley G, Stum, Man Thompson. We're gonna do a lot of laughing tonight, Jack. Big Bro Kevin, Philly. My main man, Reggie. Love you. Tenfo. Leon Rose, super agent. Call him Arliss. Um, Gary Moore, man. Where can I begin? I, I mean, I, I start from eight years old. I love you, bro. And I thank you for the guidance throughout my career and all the help that you've done. Thank you for when I get in trouble in school for coming to make sure I got detention instead of getting suspended. Um, for teaching me uh, in sports, if it's me or you, it's me. Uh, I love you, man. Um, I can't thank you enough. Um, Boo Williams, man. We won the uh, Nationals, 17 years old. Damn, I'm still waiting on the shoes that you promised us. <laughs> and our ring. Maybe I'll get it one day. Wanda Rail, thank you for everything. Pee Wee, hold your head. Be strong, Bobby Mays. Uh, Mace, Cameron, Jim Jones, Fag, Fab. Um, I want to thank, I want to thank uh, Biggie Smalls, Red Man, Jada Kiss, Tupac, and Michael Jackson for being my theme music throughout my career. <laughs> Uh, not too much longer. Um, Aberdeen Raiders. Uh, I became a true athlete playing for those guys. Bethel High School. Mike Bailey. Uh, Mike Bailey was the first to teach me how to play basketball. My high school coach. I love you. I love your family. Thank you for everything that you've done for me. Tony Rutland, my partner in crime in high school, um, my teammates uh, that I played with in school, man, my Georgetown family. Y'all know the great centers already, but I love those guys, Kim Bay, 
Patrick, um, Lonzo, tough act to follow, buddy. Um, I love Ms. Michael so much. Miss Finley, if you're watching right now, I love y'all. Bubakar, Al, George Butler, Irvin Church, Yaya, Brendan Gaughan, Othella Harrington, John Jocks, Kevin Millen, Eric Miles, Jerry Nichols, James Reed, Don Reed, Jahadi White. Love you, bro. Jerome Williams, I love you, bro, for everything you've done for me. Damon Jackson, Godwin Owenji, Victor Page, James Reed, Joe Tuomo, and Dean Barry. Maybe I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for Dean Barry teaching me the crossover. Um, a walk-on. Man didn't even have his name on the back of his jersey. But at practice, he used to hit me with it so much that I just put my pride aside and said, okay, you got to teach me that move. <laughs> and I stayed out to practice with him every day to learn that move. And all these years later, Allen Iverson is known for the crossover. I have to, I have to thank Reebok. Man, man, got to gotta thank Reebok. <laughs> a lifetime contract? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Man, um, Paul Fireman, Tom Shine, Todd Krinsky, B. Lee, Q, Q Gaskins, man. My man, my friend. Um, the NBA, the, uh, the NBA, the NBPA, um, David Stern, Adam Silver, Billy Hunter, Chris Chen. Oh my God, I love you so much. Thanks for all the support. Leah Wilcox. Pat Croce. The only thing that I can say when I think about him is love and belief. He believed in me. He believed that I could be that guy to carry a franchise on my shoulders. It was hard. I had my ups and downs. But obviously, I, I pulled it off. Um, I love you, Pat. Billy King, Al Lumpkin, love you, Lump. Jim, Laura, Mike Preston, Lenny, Mark Zumar, the best commentator. The world's best commentator, hands down. I'm making that a point, because uh, I want to see him on the big networks doing it too. <laughs> Scott Rigo, Dr. McPhillamy for keeping me and uh, keeping me healthy, well, almost, throughout my, throughout my career. Karen, Francone, I love you. Kev, Mike Goins, I love y'all. Um, to the media, the love-hate relationship that made me stronger. I want to thank Phil Jasner. I know he's looking down at me. We went through our wars, but 
I love you, and I know you respect me as a man. Stephen A. Smith. My brother. He was there with me throughout it all. And um, you're always going to be my big brother. I always love you, bro. Um, you don't supposed to uh, not talk about when I do make mistakes. That's your job, even though I am your little brother. Um, <laughs> but um, you always kept it 1,000 with me. You always was honest and um, told it like I needed to hear it. And I love and respect you for that. Uh, thank you, D-Lionel. The fans, the fans worldwide in China. Um, I love my fans in China. They love me so much. And um, I, I love them for um, respecting my grind. And um, I go to China every year, and I'll continue to uh, for the rest of my life. The Philly fans. relationship that I feel a, a player has with a group of fans is uh, probably Michael Jordan and his fans in Chicago. But my relationship with the fans in Philadelphia is like no other. Thank you. And thank y'all for the support over the years. Y'all let me grow. Y'all let me make my mistakes. Never jumped off the bandwagon. Continue to support me like true fans are supposed to. 76 of teammates. Doug Overton, love you. Clarence Witherspoon, Lucius Harris, Matt Geiger, Roger Bell, Dikembe, George Lynch, I love you. Todd McCullough, Kevin Ollie turned out to be a great coach. Why do point guards always end up being coaches? That's what they, they just used to telling everybody what to do. Um, Nazi Muhammad, Jerry Stackhouse, Derek Coleman, love you. Mark Davis, Don McClain, Sam Dellenberg, Jermaine Jones, Tyrone Hill, Vernon Maxwell, my, uh, my protector when he uh, played for us. You know he was always willing to fight. <laughs> Theo Ratliff. Larry Hughes, I love you, my brother. Um, Aaron McKee, Eric Snow. My brothers, man. Definitely my brothers from another mother. I'm so proud of the men that they've turned out to be, the fathers that they are. The family men that they are have a lot of respect for y'all, and I appreciate you, definitely.
the Denver Nuggets, the fans, George Carl, Stan Kroenke, Josh Kroenke, Kenya Martin, Marcus Camby, Chucky Atkins, Mello, I love you, J.R. Smith, DJ, Gerd, Rex Chapman, Steve Hess. Um, my competition, man. Um, I remember my first game um, that I was, a man literally destroyed me. Um, and I, haven't, I hadn't been killed like that before in my career, in my lifetime, basically. And um, I remember Mo Cheeks telling me after the game, I sat in the locker room, I was crying. And Mo Cheeks said, don't worry about it, AI. One day you'll get somebody 36, 9, and 9. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I can remember I love Lou Williams, and I always think about uh, one day at practice, I had scored like 10 in a row on him. And uh, Mo Cheeks said, uh, and Lou was about to cry. And Mo Cheeks said, man, hold your head up. Don't cry. He do that to everybody. <laughs> uh -huh. Man, I, I, I can't leave without bringing up uh, Shaq. I love him so much as a person. Um, obviously the most dominant big man we've ever seen, ever. Man, uh, Kobe. Um, true competitor. Um, I know that he's retired now. He's going to go on to do even greater things. He's a great man, and um, I love him and I respect him, but he brought everything out of me on the basketball court, and I appreciate him for that. Teron Lou. Uh, I remember, I remember after, after that, I remember after that series, um, he had got, he went to Washington, and uh, got paid. Um, so somebody was at the free throw line, and I said, uh, look, man, if you don't stop following me like that, we're going to be fighting out here. And he was, you know, whatever, whatever. And I said, um, only reason you got that little $5 million a year is for running around after me. <laughs> and the man looked at me and said what I would have said. Thank you. <laughs> and... and and we've been like this ever since. Um, the ones that, 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 that stuck by me throughout my journey, um, I love y'all and I, I love the fact that now y'all can walk around and stick y'all chest out and say, y'all Hall of Famers. Um, and all the barbershop talk that my family and all the arguments my friends have with people in the barbershop and the hair salon, you know, now, you can say, um, well, look, my man is solidified. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, they'll, and, 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 they'll, and, they'll, and they'll come back with, well, my man will be a Hall of Famer one day. Well, we'll have that conversation then when, when he get enshrined. And I'm going to try to get through this part right here. I know it's going to be kind of difficult for me, and I'm going to end uh, on this note, because it's one of those last but not least thing. Um, my number one person in the world, um, hands down.
Um, Tawana Iverson. Twenty-four years, ups, downs, but real love. Um, I can't thank you enough for all you've done for me. Not just my career. Yeah, obviously you you enabled me to go to work, and you took care of home. But for loving me the way you do and caring about what type of person I am and what type of person that I need to be the set example for our babies. You're just the best to me. I love you so much. Um, looking forward to spending two more decades with you. Um, and I want you to be proud of yourself. And I want you to walk around and understand that you are a Hall of Famer. I just want to say thank y'all and for all the people, every one of you, um, that supported me throughout this tough journey. I really Love y'all for that, because you didn't have to support me. And for all of the men and women that advised me on certain things and helped me, I love y'all. And I want to thank the guys that are not my friends anymore. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you blew, you blew your cover. For me to recognize that you wasn't any good to my family or me. And um, I appreciate y'all for that. So if I make any more new friends, I know the signs. Thank you. speech from Allen Iverson. That was from this past Friday's Hall of Fame speech. He is a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And now, you know, he said so many great things there that a lot of it was about family and just about all the people that were in his life that uh, helped take him to that next level. And once again, congratulations to Allen Iverson, a Hall of Famer. And that's how we're going to end off today's show. And uh, as always, thank everybody for listening. Make sure to keep tuning in. Go to sportssocialpod.com for more information. And uh, as always, follow me on Twitter, at Ed Easton Jr. And as I always take your comments during the week, and I might read them on air. And uh, just stay tuned for every new episode that comes on. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. Everybody, have a good one. Mm -hmm.